This morning, we're starting a new Bible teaching series, a four-week series in the book of Habakkuk. Uh, Habakkuk, if you don't know, is one of the minor prophets. It's a, a short prophecy. Uh, minor prophet doesn't mean it's got a minor message, by the way. It just means it's shorter compared to some of the bigger prophecies. And Habakkuk, it was written about 600 years before Jesus. So we're looking at a book that is about 2,600 years old. And what you need to know about the book of Habakkuk is that it was written for the people who lived in God's land, who were meant to be living under God's law. So it was written for God's people. But at this particular time in history, God's people had turned away from God. They weren't living God's way. They were worshiping idols. And the result of that was that the whole society had gone down a spiral. There was violence on the streets. There was injustice in the courts. And society was in a very, very dark place. And it's within this context that the book of Habakkuk was written. And this morning, we're not going to read the whole book. It's only 56 verses, so we, we could read it all in about 12, 12 minutes. And I would encourage you this week, read the whole book of Habakkuk whenever you get home. But this morning, we're just going to read the first four verses and focus our attention on them. Now, I'm not going to lie. The book of Habakkuk is tricky enough. I'm not going to lie, you are going to have to use your minds over the next few weeks. It's not easy stuff, but it is God's Word, and my belief is that God has something very profound to say to us in this day. So why don't we read verses 1 to 4 together, and, and next week maybe bring your Bible, because we're going to read a bigger chunk, and it means you won't be stuck to the screen. But let's for now read verses 1 to 4. The prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. Habakkuk's complaint. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem the righteous in so that justice is perverted. Very short reading this morning, but I believe that the Lord has something to say to each of us through it. So let's pray and we'll ask God to speak to us this morning through his word. Living God, we know that you're a God who loves to speak to your people. And we know that the clearest way that you speak to us is through your written word, the scriptures, the Bible. So Lord, we would ask this morning that as we approach this unusual book of the Bible, one that we're maybe not overly familiar with, that you would give us open ears and open hearts and open minds to hear this morning what you might want to say to us. And we pray this morning, Lord, that you would give us faith to believe what you're saying. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder this morning, have you ever had to keep a secret? Have you ever been in that position, that position where you, you need to keep a secret, something to yourself? 
I wonder this morning, have you ever been in a position whenever the secret that you need to keep is actually about yourself? Something that you don't want anybody else to know. Something that you keep hidden away. Something that you you don't want to reveal to anybody ever. I wonder, have you ever experienced that in your life? If you have, or if you can imagine it, it's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. Oh, the amount of lies you have to tell to cover up your secret. Oh, how you have to act in front of people so they'll never know it. To keep a secret about yourself is so hard, so exhausting, so demanding. And what makes it really terrible is that as you live your life, Whilst you portray something on the outside, inside you feel like a phony or a fraud because you carry this secret within you all the time. Well, one of the things that I think as a minister that Christians feel they need to keep secret is that they have doubts. I wonder this morning as you sit here, do you have doubts about God doubts about your faith, doubts about the Bible. I wonder this morning as you sit here, are there doubts in your life? My guess is there are. But yet as Christians, we we never really admit that, do we? We never say that out loud. We don't tell anybody we've got doubts. We just walk around living our life with those doubts inside us and never talking about them but we are people who doubt. We are people with serious questions, aren't we? We are people who have questions that are unanswered. All of us at different times in our life will have seasons of doubt about our faith. Or maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one. Maybe the only reason that that no one ever talks to me about their doubts is because they don't have any but I don't think that's the case, is it? One writer said that doubt is not so much a line that divides us, but he says it is a razor line that marks each of our hearts. All of us have doubts. All of us have questions. If we're thinking at all about our faith, if we're thinking people at all, then we all wrestle with doubt. And this morning, I just want to make you feel at ease about that. If you've got doubts, that's normal. If you go through seasons of questioning and doubting, that is the normal experience of the Christian life sometimes. This morning, you you don't need to pretend. You don't need to live like that's some sort of secret. That's normal. That's part of being a Christian. There's only one person who's never doubted, isn't there? There's only one perfect person who's ever lived, and that's not us. That's Jesus. No, all of us this morning experience doubt. And here at the beginning of Habakkuk chapter 1, we meet one of God's prophets. So what that means is that Habakkuk was a man who knew God. Habakkuk was a man who who spoke God's message to people. And yet what we see at the beginning of chapter 1 is that Habakkuk was a man who had serious questions at this point in time. A man who had serious doubts about God at this point in time. 
serious questions and serious doubts. Habakkuk is actually sometimes called the doubting prophet. And as you're going to see through the book, he wrestles with doubt throughout it. And here in Habakkuk chapter 1, in these first first four verses, what we see is that there are four sources of Habakkuk's doubt. And I guess this morning that maybe some of you will be able to relate to these. We see the four sources of doubt in the four questions that he reverently puts to God. And the first question is found in verse 2. Take a look at what it says. How long, Lord, must I call for help? but you do not listen. Habakkuk was a godly man living in this godless society. And Habakkuk looked around at society. He he looked around at people rejecting God, rejecting God's ways. And he prayed, Lord, will you help? Will you do something, Lord? Will you change the direction of things, Lord? He prayed and 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 he listened and he watched. And nothing happened. No answer. Nothing changed. Unanswered prayer was one source of Habakkuk's doubt. He'd been praying, but it was like his prayers were falling on deaf ears. I think that unanswered prayer can be something today that causes us to doubt. Am I right? Do you ever pray for something and and you pray so, so fervently for it? And yet God seems silent. Do you ever pray for something, something good, something that you you think actually lines up with the will of God and you pray for it and you pray for it and you believe the Lord can answer that prayer and yet He doesn't? What happens to you whenever that happens? Does that not lead us to doubt? Is God there or am I praying to the ceiling? Does God care or why is He not doing anything? For Habakkuk, unanswered prayer led him to a place of doubt. And it wasn't just unanswered prayer that led him to a place of doubt. It was a a compound of different things. And the next thing that we see was a source of his doubt was unstopped violence. Look at the rest of that verse too. So he says, first of all, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen. And then look what he says next, or cry out to you, violence but you do not save. In Northern Ireland, we know what it's like to have violence in our streets, don't we? Many of you here this morning, you you journeyed through the troubles. My generation, thank God, were spared from that in many ways. But we also just see violence on our streets today. I mean, just last week, the riots that were happening, we saw violence on the streets. In fact, violence on our streets is so prevalent now that we're not even shocked by it. We hear of paramilitary-style beatings, and we just kind of accept, yeah, that happens. 
We hear of people being attacked on the street and mugged. Yeah, that happens. A couple of weeks ago, I was in the car with Joshua. We were driving home from school. The two o'clock news came on. It was in the background. I didn't think of anything of it. I just listened to the news and, and the music came on. And, and after the music came on, he said, Dad, he says, what does stabbed mean? It had just washed over me what had been said. But my five-year-old son wanted to know what stabbed meant. There is violence on our streets and it's horrible. When we hear of people being attacked, especially innocent people, it cuts us, doesn't it? And this was what was happening at the time of Habakkuk. And Habakkuk and God's faithful people were praying, Lord, will you bring an end to this violence? Will you save us from it? Will you stop violent men from doing violent things? Will you stop the innocent being attacked and harmed? Oh God, will you bring an end to all of this violence that's ruining our life? And yet what does Habakkuk say? I cry out to you, violence, God, but you do not save. I wonder, do you ever look at the violence in our world and you see it on the news and you think to yourself, why, God, why don't you stop this? Why, God, why are you letting this happen? Maybe for you it's unstopped violence which causes you to doubt God. There was another source, though, of Habakkuk's doubt, and it's revealed in the third question he asks to God. In verse 3, he writes this, why do you make me look at injustice? You see, in the land that Habakkuk was in, married to violence was also injustice. They were partners. They, they went together and what was happening was that whenever violent people were brought before the courts, brought into the legal system, they were being let off. They weren't being punished. They were bribing the judges and they were getting away with the violence that they were committing. Justice was not being served. Lawlessness ruled. And Habakkuk is deeply troubled by this. Oh God, you're a God who loves justice. You're a God who, who loves righteousness. So God, why are you making me look at injustice? Why are you letting this happen? You are the, the judge of all the earth, and yet you're letting the judges on earth let evil people get away with evil things. I wonder, does the injustice in our world ever cause you to doubt God and to question Him? Why does He let injustice happen? Why does He let corruption into so many courtrooms across the world today? Why does He allow bad people to get away with doing bad things? Does that ever cause you to question or doubt God? And the final thing, the final source of Habakkuk's doubt is a very general thing, and it's simply unchallenged wrongdoing. Have a look 
at his fourth question. Why, he says, why do you tolerate wrongdoing? In our society today, there's a bit of confusion, isn't there, about what's right and wrong? Today, there's a lot of debate about what's right and wrong, and and there's a lot of questions surrounding it, and, and we don't really like to say that anything is wrong or that anything is right. We live in this world where everything is very confused, but not so in Habakkuk's day. You see, Habakkuk is speaking to the people who were living in God's land, and they were called to live under God's laws. It was black and white what was right and wrong. Do not murder, do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not bear false witness, don't cover your neighbor's wife and his donkey. If you injure someone, you've got to pay it back. It was very clear, the rules were very clear. If you read the Old Testament law, God's laws and his statutes are very clear. But the people of Habakkuk's day, God's people, they rejected them. They didn't live by them. There was widespread wrongdoing. Habakkuk says that that God's law was paralyzed. It had no power over people. They just did what they wanted. And Habakkuk says to God, oh God, how are you tolerating this? Why, Lord, are you, you tolerating this? Does that ever cause you to question God or to to doubt Him? Why does He let so many people break His law? Why does He tolerate so much wrongdoing in our world? Habakkuk, at the beginning of his book, he has so many big questions for God. And he is in a place where he's doubting God. Doubting God's activity, doubting God's goodness, doubting God's care, doubting God's power. Now, what you all really want me to do this morning, and I know it, what you want me to do this morning is you want me to get to the solution. You would like me to to give you the answers for those doubts this morning, wouldn't you? You'd like me to sort of do this rest of the sermon where I just tie it all up and answer all the questions and you all leave going, isn't it great? We don't need to have doubts. But I'm not going to do that this morning. We're going to journey through the rest of the book and we're going to see how this works out. No, this morning I'm going to do something else. I'm going to make a sit with Habakkuk just now. I'm going to make a sit with him for a little while in his place of doubt. And the reason for that is because whenever we have doubt, sometimes there are no silver bullets, no easy answers. Sometimes whenever we have doubts, it takes a fair while to work through them. It's like going through thick, squelchy mud. You don't just fly through and get to the other side. Sometimes it's a slog where we have to slowly work through the doubts that we have. And the second reason I don't want to to just skip on is because Habakkuk also teaches us 
something about where doubt can take us. Doubt can actually take us to some very good places if we let it. Sometimes we think of doubt as only being negative. Sometimes we think of having questions as only being negative, but that's not what we see here in the opening of Habakkuk. Because doubt actually drives Habakkuk to four very, very healthy places. Let me point them out to you. The first thing we see is that doubt drives Habakkuk towards God. Something I find really interesting about Habakkuk is that he's just said to God, God, whenever I pray to you, it's like you're not listening. So he says that on one hand. But yet, what does he do? He prays. God, I don't think you're listening. I'm not sure you're listening. I'm doubting that you're listening. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn to you now. In my doubt, I'm turning to you. In my doubt, I'm seeking you. In my doubt, with the little faith that I've got, with the damaged faith that I've got, with whatever faith I've got, Lord, in my doubt, I'm not running from you, but I'm turning to you. Sometimes I think as Christians, we can be far too easy to run from God whenever we have doubts. I've seen it with people they have some doubts and they have some questions. And so they think, do you know what? I, I can't go to God. I just got to say I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm agnostic now or I'm atheist now. I have doubts. So I'm just going to get away from all of this Christian stuff. And I'm going to turn away from God because I've got these questions about God. I've got these doubts about Him. But that just baffles me. I don't understand that. I want you to imagine that I'm back at school and uh, I'm sitting in my maths class and I don't understand a thing that's going on. I'm in the maths class and I don't understand what's being talked about and I don't understand the problems and I've got so many questions. Well, do you know what the craziest thing in the world for me to do would be? To not go to the class anymore. That would be really dumb, wouldn't it? No, in my doubts and with my questions, what I need to do is be in that class. Be listening to the teacher and being trying to figure things out. Folks, if we doubt, even if we have serious doubts, let's not just say, well, now I've got doubts, I can't possibly turn to God. But instead, let's be like Habakkuk and let's drive towards God. With the faith that we've got, let's cling to God and pray to God and seek His help in the middle of our doubts. I also want to encourage you this morning. God doesn't judge us when we doubt. Did you know that? Do you ever worry that because you doubt, if you go to God, He's just going to judge you or you can't go to Him because you doubt and you feel like God couldn't accept you because you're questioning things? But that's not the case. And we see that. Do you know where we see that? We see that in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thomas doubted, didn't he? 
Did Jesus get mad at him and reject him and send him away and say, no, Thomas, because you've got doubts, you can't come to me? No, Jesus was gracious and he was kind and he was compassionate. And he showed Thomas his nail-marked hands. And then there was Peter on the water. And Peter doubted, didn't he? And, he? and he began to sink under the water. And what did Jesus do? Did Jesus let him drown? Did Jesus let him die? Oh, you doubt me? Well, tough. Away under the waves you go. No, 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 no. Jesus was kind and he was compassionate and he pulled Peter up out of the water and he brought him into the boat. He was gracious towards him. John the Baptist was described by Jesus as being the greatest person who's ever lived. What a statement. And yet John the Baptist in prison, about to die, do you know what John the Baptist does? He doubts. He sends messengers to Jesus. Jesus, are you really the one? I'm about to die here, Jesus, and I just need to know, are you the one? Does Jesus rebuke him? Does Jesus judge him? No, Jesus is kind and compassionate and gracious and sends him an answer that brought him comfort. Folks, when we doubt, when we question, it's not a case that we, we need to stop talking to God or run from God. No, we have a compassionate God who understands our weakness. And I want to encourage you this morning, when you doubt and question, don't run from him, but be driven to him. Let me finish quite quickly with the last three places that doubt drives Habakkuk. The, th the second place it drives him is towards seeking answers to his questions. I love that about Habakkuk. He's got all of these questions and he doesn't just live with them. He goes to God and he seeks answers to the questions that he has. Folks, whenever you have questions about God, there are three responses that I guess you make or that you could make. The first response is to take the questions you've got and put them up in the roof space of your mind. You have doubts, you have questions, and so you put them in the roof space. You, you kind of tuck them away. And can I just say, that's okay sometimes. Just so you know, that's okay. Sometimes we don't have the mental energy or the spiritual energy or the emotional energy to deal with the big questions we've got. So maybe just now this morning, if you've got doubts, Maybe you should tuck those away for another time if you don't have the capacity to deal with them just now. The second response to your questions, though, is one that is not helpful. And that's that we let our questions live with us without ever trying to get answers to them. We walk around and we let these questions follow us and cause us to doubt. We let them attach themselves to us. We wake up in the morning and we ask ourselves the questions. We go to bed at night and we ask ourselves the question. They hang around us. They're clinging to us. This morning, that is not a healthy thing to do. If we do that, these questions will start to grate on us and erode our faith. If you've got questions this morning and you don't want to get rid of them, the thing to do is to start to address the questions. And that's what Habakkuk does. He seeks answers. He invites the question in 
then he seeks the answers for the question, and then what we're going to see is by the end of the book, he lets the question leave. I'm done with you now. I'm done with you. Folks, if you've got questions about God and doubts, don't just let them live with you. Either put them in the roof space for another time or start to seek their answer. The third place we see that doubt then takes Habakkuk is the place of accepting mystery. I don't want to spoil the rest of the book, but this is one of the things that happens. For some of the questions that he has, do you know what? There are no answers. For some of the doubts that he has, there are really no solutions. And so later on in the book, what you're going to see is that doubt drives Habakkuk to accept mystery, to accept that sometimes God's ways are higher than ours, to accept that there are secret things that belong to him and we can't understand. And I want to say this morning, that is not a cop-out. That is not a cop-out. That is a biblical principle. Not all the questions we have can be answered. This morning, maybe the Lord is calling you to simply accept some things as being mysterious. Maybe this morning, the Lord is calling you simply to accept some things by faith in what you do know, to accept some of the things you don't know. And the last place that doubt drives Habakkuk is this, and this is the most encouraging, and that's why I'm finishing with it. Doubt drives Habakkuk to a place of deeper faith. What we're going to find in the book of Habakkuk is that it's like a doorway. And in chapter one, you have Habakkuk on this side of the doorway, and he's filled with doubt, and he's filled with questions. And what we're going to find is that as he processes his doubt, and as he gets answers from God, he starts to move through this place, and there's a doorway here, and he comes out this side of the doorway. And his trust in God is so much stronger. His confidence in God has been upbuilt. And folks, this morning, that's what I really want to encourage you about doubt. Doubt does not have to shipwreck our faith. But if we are prepared to seek answers to our doubt, to turn to God in our doubt, to accept mystery in our doubt, and to work through our doubts, then the place it will take us is a place of confident faith in God. We all doubt. You're not strange. You're not weird if you've got doubts. You're really, really normal. And what I want to encourage you this morning is not to be afraid of those doubts, but to turn to God in them, seek answers to them, Accept that some answers will be mysterious and trust that one day you will be at a place of deeper faith. One man says, doubt is the gap between present faith and perfect faith. The good news is that one day we will have that perfect faith when we see God face to face, when we go home to be with the Lord. And until then, we'll always wrestle with questions and doubts. We're going to sing in just a moment about that day 
whenever we go home and our faith will be perfected. But for now, let's pray and respond to God by talking to him. Father, we thank you so much for the assurance that your word gives us that seasons of doubt is normal. Father, you know that very often we feel that we have to pretend we don't have any doubts. You know, Lord, that very often we feel like we have to put on a, a brave faith a, a faith, a faithful face, and pretend that we have no questions. But Lord, you know that the reality of life is that we do. Thank you, Lord, that you understand us. Thank you that you understand our imperfect faith. Thank you that you're merciful to us and gracious to us whenever we doubt you and doubt your ways. And Father, I pray that even over the coming weeks, as we journey with Habakkuk through his time of doubt, that you would strengthen our faith and build us up in it and give us more confidence in Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.